Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Nick Snoke. I want to talk about commitment this morning. And we've all committed to come here this weekend, and we've all shown our commitment by being uh, here at camp. One great example that I love is, um, you know, as a, as a guy, um, there's some movies that we love, Braveheart, Gladiator, things like this. <laughs> those are what I call the Guy 101 movies that you have to, to know half the lines in uh, by the time you reach 18. Uh, and and one, uh, one person in history that uh, has said some lines that I love is Cortez. And in business, I think that um, there's a lot of application to this, so I reference this a lot. But Cortez and his men... Fernando Cortez and his men, they left Spain looking for gold in the new world, if you will. And they came ashore around the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. You guys were just there not long ago, right? And um, as they came, Cortez and his men come ashore and there's the Aztecs. And they've never seen anything like the Aztecs before. This is uh, completely foreign and new to them, these warriors. And I think Cortez could sense in his men that there was a little, uh, it was uncomfortable and they were starting to doubt a little bit. And who can blame them uh, when you see these, these individuals relative to what they had known in Spain? And in the camp, Cortez could start sensing that his men were having second thoughts. And they were thinking maybe they would take their ships and they would sail to Cuba, not terribly far from where they landed in Mexico. But Cortez had committed that he was going to take this land. Now, in Spain, you had to give 20% tax. <laughs> to us, that sounds like a pretty good deal today. But uh, <laughs> So, Cortez had five ships. And his men were having second thoughts. And so, he instructed his generals to go burn his ships. Oh my. Now, that's commitment. <laughs> Now, even back then, men feared the government, so he burned four of the five ships because one ship had to take gold back to Spain. The other 80% were his. And so he told his men, he said, take torches tonight, and I want you to go burn those ships. Because when those ships burned, they were committed. There was no turning back. Once that took place, and his men looked out in that harbor, and they saw the ships on fire, they realized we only have one thing to do, and we're going to take this land. One of his generals had said, asked Cortez, after he burned the ships, he says, well, how are we ever going to go home? And this is a part that I love. He told his generals, when we go home, we're taking their ships. <laughs> Come on, as a, you know, that just, yes, you can get behind that, right? In our walk, we need to burn our ships. We don't need to put our ships at bay. We don't need to put them halfway out or partially out in our Christian walk. God today is telling us in the world that you live in that is full of deception and evil, you cannot keep your ships at bay so you have a way to retreat. I want you to burn them. And when you burn something, there was nothing left of it. 
You're not dismantling it where you might be able to put it back together. You burning it. What was once there is gone. And God is asking us to do that in our walk. Um, I'd like to give you another example of this. If you could turn in your Bibles to the first chapter of Kings, the 19th chapter. And uh, we'll read a couple verses here, starting verse 9. I'm reading out of the NLT. So 1 Kings 19, chapter, verse 19. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shabbath, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him, and he threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then walked away. Elijah left the oxen standing there, and he ran after Elijah and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. That's a reasonable response. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So when Elijah put this cloak across Elisha, it was like the mantle of God falling upon him to be a prophet. And Elisha recognized this right away. And he recognized that uh, his life from that moment was going to be different. And so he asked Elijah, can I go say goodbye uh, to my parents? And Elijah says, go back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. What a moment we read here. This is, this is like Cortez. Elisha is not going back. He didn't go put his plow in the barn that he had used all these years in case he ever wanted to return to his field and become a farmer again. He didn't put his oxen, you know, back in in this time, your oxen and your plow, they're probably some of the most important things in the world to you. Because without either of those, you starve to death as a farmer. Elisha didn't need any convincing. Elijah didn't have to tell him about what was going to happen to him. He recognized the call of God on his life. He slaughtered his oxen, and then he used the wood from his plow to cook the meat. I mean, isn't that a wonderful story? And isn't that what we want to be this morning? When when that cloak, when that call of God has come upon our lives, God is not asking us to kind of commit to him. I also say this morning that the day and the time that we live, these are dark, evil times. Uh, Nobody would argue that. And I think if if there was ever a time that you cannot be a fair weather Christian, it's today. Believe me, the world is going to sort it out really quick. And if you're not 100% committed, you can easily fall prey to the over-influential enemy that we see unleashed on the world today. And so we want to take our oxen and slaughter them and our plows to light the fire. You know, we sing this song, uh, Decided to Follow Jesus, No Turning Back. No turning back. And that should be the anthem in our hearts that we are singing today is that we are committed and we're not going to turn back. And all this sounds good. And everybody says yes and agrees. But if we're being honest with ourselves, commitment is hard. 
Full commitment is not easy. I'll also say commitment gets more and more challenging as we go. Why? The enemy sees the strength that you have and you are a legitimate threat to his plans on earth. And so you get these fiery arrows that come at you. And commitment can be very challenging. Um, on our way up here, I, I don't know what. They must be putting perhaps feed in the middle of the highway. <laughs> but we must have seen a 100 dead deer on the side of the road on Highway 15 as we were coming north south to Salt Lake. I, I've never seen so many dead deer on the side of the road. We even saw a dead moose, which was sad. And uh, uh, I've never seen anything like that. And I was thinking of the vehicle that must have hit it. Okay, but let me tell you about the the deer, or in this case, the moose. They didn't die by getting hit by a car because they wanted to. They lack commitment. You see, they went across the road, but halfway across the road, when a semi started bearing down on them, they weren't sure what to do. They weren't fully committed from going from one side of the road to the other, so what they do, they froze. They weren't, they had not burned their ships, so to speak. And when they froze, while their intent might have been good to go from this side to this side, when they stopped because they were fully committed and they had a pause in their commitment to going to the other side of the road, they got ran over by a truck. And that can happen to us in our spiritual walk. If we are not fully committed, it is easy to be fully committed this weekend. I am with my brothers and sisters who I love dearly. It's easy to be committed Sunday morning when we go to church. It's easy to be committed perhaps during the week in the evening when we go to our prayer closet. It's not as easy to be committed Monday morning when we go to work. And sure, we're not completely the other way, but we have these times where we waver a little bit because there may be something holding us back. And in those times... That's when we get ran over by a truck if we're not fully committed in our walk Mm -hmm. in seeking the Lord. You know, I'm sure that when Cortez told his generals to burn those ships, he was probably feeling pretty uncomfortable. He likely had some some soldiers that were thinking about mutiny. Mm -hmm. They were probably questioning his leadership ability. He himself was probably questioning his leadership ability. He might have been thinking, well, someday I do want to go home and see my family or go back to Spain. And if I don't win this battle, I'm, I'm going to be in trouble here in this foreign land. And while, you know, Mexico's a great place, maybe he didn't want to stay there forever. He was probably having second thoughts. But he had done something so decisive that he couldn't return. So it didn't, it didn't matter. In our own commitment, The enemy will take times, situations, and he will use them and he will place a seed of doubt within our heart and he preys on that seed of doubt. And then he will get your mind to do the the mind garbage thing where it just starts thinking and it starts getting a little, one thought goes to the next thought, goes to the next thought, goes to the next thought. And then pretty soon uh, we're the deer in the middle of the road that has hesitated for a moment. And that's a situation uh, we don't want to be in. But it is natural to sometimes want to go back, and not only to what is familiar, but what is popular. Uh, we're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We live in this world, and we live in a culture that naturally wants to follow 
And when we see everybody else going some way, it is in our human DNA, our instinct, to try to want to be part of that. Now, we know we've been called to go, uh, quite frankly, the opposite direction in most situations. But don't, don't think that we're not susceptible to the human condition that wants to go where the masses go and what is normal and what is uh, common or popular at the time. And so we need to be very aware of that um, so that we can stand against it when those situations come up. If we could turn in our Bibles, uh, I'll give another example to Jonah, the first first chapter, first, uh, we'll read the first few verses. Again, I'm in the New Living Translation. <clears throat> the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, Amittai, get up. And go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up, and he went in the opposite opposite direction to get away from the Lord. A few things here that that of note before we read on. <clears throat> Who did the Lord give a message to? To Jonah. What does that mean? That means to me, Jonah was a godly man. He was listening to the Lord, listening clearly enough that the Lord could give Jonah a message. So Jonah uh, was a God-fearing, God-listening man, right? And God was talking to him. God has spoken to all of us in this room, just like Jonah. No different. And while I'm guessing that Jonah was a righteous man, he had probably surrendered many things in his life to God. God probably has spoken to Jonah, and that's maybe why he wasn't in Nineveh before. Because he said, that's a wicked place, and you know, Jonah, we don't, we don't live that way. I don't want you to behave that way. I don't want you in that culture. And so Jonah wasn't. So Jonah was a man who had surrendered things to God in his life, and who was seeking God, and who heard from God. But yet there was something in Jonah that God wanted him to do that Jonah wasn't committed enough at the time to do it. And we all know this story. We, we hear it when we're young. <clears throat> so reading on, he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and he went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, we all know uh, how this goes in our life. When God asks you to do something, just do it. <laughs> just do it. And, you know, this is one of those things that's, you know, like, do what I say, not as I do, because we've all made mistakes here. There are times that God speaks to us, and I don't know why, but we just can't quite do it. And it never ends well. It's never ended well for me, anyway. When God tells us to do something, don't buy a ticket for a ship and go the opposite direction. Because God's way is so much better than our way. And God's way, it will happen. Yes. I got faith in that. It will happen. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole. And we know how this ends, right? So they start casting lots to figure out who's got to go. And eventually, 
Jonah says, it's me. You know, I'm running away from God. And so they throw him overboard. And then immediately the seas become calm. And the storm goes away. And these sailors were uh, amazed at what had just happened. In our life, God has asked us to do different things, and he will continue to put these things on our heart. We would be wise to read this story in the example of Jonah as to what happens when you don't commit, when you don't burn your ship, when you don't slaughter your oxen. Because ultimately, God's plan will come to fruition. And that's exactly what we want. Sometimes we just get in the way of it. And one of those things that get in the way of it is, is bad behaviors, offense, bad thoughts, whatever you you may uh, think of. And in, in the prophecy the Lord gave Sister Gwen this morning, the Lord spoke about that. You see... When a bad behavior starts in our life, in our heart, offense, thoughts, whatever, if we don't deal with it, it only grows. And as it grows, it multiplies. And as it multiplies, its effect and its impact grows. And because we didn't deal with it, Early on, over the course of days, weeks, months, maybe years, maybe decades, the manifestation of that bad behavior, it it, it always ends in calamity. It ends in hurt. It ends in brokenheartedness. And And those things are not of God, right? And so when we feel these things, and we're going to talk just a little bit more about that here in a minute, but when we start to feel certain things that we know are not of God, but they're of human of human nature, if we don't get in front of it, it grows and grows and it becomes much more impactful around those that we love, our family members, our co-workers, our friends, our church. And when that happens, we become further away from the Lord and uh, we have all this hurt. God can fix that. But we don't ever want it to take place in the first place. We need to get in front of this. I'll tell you a, a story about my own life. Um, uh, my wife and I, we have, we have a little ranch, and uh, it's an opportunity for me to play cowboy. You know, every kid wants to be a cowboy when he grows up, so when I had the opportunity, uh, we jumped at that, and now I pretend to be a cowboy on the weekends and evenings. And I really enjoy that, by the way. And um, uh, this winter, we have our cattle at somebody else's ranch who can feed them every evening. So uh, on the weekends, I typically haul hay. And I have a skidster with hay forks on it that I use to load up these two-ton bales of hay onto a trailer. And I haul them down to, to my friend, and he unloads them, and he feeds them to our cattle during the winter. And my hay forks I take off to put my plow on my skidster because we got a lot of snow right now. So I'm constantly swapping from one to the other. Uh, just right before Christmas with, with my dad and uh, Logan, I went up there and it was a nice day to haul some hay. And so I took the bucket off of my skidster and I hooked onto my hay forks. And when you hook something, when you hook an attachment onto a skidster, there's two pins that go down through the attachment. 
And what they do is when you lean it forward, they keep the whatever attachment it is from coming off. So it holds it in place so that you can haul hay or do whatever you want. I was kind of in a hurry. It's a nice sunny day. And my little pins that go down, one of them had become bent. And it didn't go all the way through my implement. Now, I knew this at the time. And I was okay with it because I'm a, I'm a skilled operator. <laughs> and it was okay. I could manage. I don't really need those pins when you're as good as I am. You just, you know, those are more of a suggestion. <laughs> when I hooked that hay spear on, in my mind, in my heart, I had a check. And that check said, Nick, take 15 minutes, straighten up those pins so that it goes all the way through your attachment, get it done. And so I thought, okay, I will. So I jumped out of the skidster and I hit it with a hammer, which is how you fix most pieces of equipment. <laughs> I smacked it a couple times and it didn't go in and I was a little frustrated and it's kind of chilly out and I thought, it, 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 I'll fix it later. It's no big deal um, enough, you know? So I jumped back in there and I go down to haul hay. I got to pick up four big bales of hay and load on a trailer. I picked up three big bales of hay and I kind of struggled through it because I had this problem with the pins. On the fourth bale of hay, it was up high. And so I grabbed it. I'm in the cab. I got a glass cab. I got the heater on. It's very comfortable in there. As I grabbed the fourth one, my attachment stuck on the bale of hay below it. And my, my hay spear has these three long spears on it. They're like four foot long each. I built it in our shop and they got a great point on them. Uh, and I want a good point so it'll go in the hay and come out real easy. So I've got these babies, you know, sharpened. And so I grab this top one, my attachment gets stuck, and that whole thing swings down into my cap. It shatters the glass in my cab. Now, praise God, I was wearing sunglasses, um, because that cuts on my face from where the glass exploded uh, into the cab. And also, praise God... The spear part went down into the ground and not into the gap uh, and didn't impale me uh, up on a ranch with no cell signal. Having a four foot long piece of steel through you would have been a bad thing, to say the least. What took place here was the evolution of me not addressing something that needed to be taken care of. That was a small issue at the time. If I would have taken an extra 10 minutes and if I would have fixed those pins, my attachment would not have come off and I wouldn't have had the experience that I went through. Now, thank, thank the Lord. I was safe. Praise God. And that is not something I would have wanted my dad or my son to have been witness to uh, me becoming, uh, you know, impaled by a spear. In our lives... We know those things that don't belong. We also recognize them at the time and, and whether it be 100% consciously, maybe it be unconsciously, maybe it be laziness, maybe it should be fear of uncomfortableness. We decide to just go on. I'm feeling some offense towards that person because they're, they did something that bothered me. Now, I'm not going to deal with it. Fine. Tomorrow that offense grows. Next week, next month, next year. That offense multiplies. Pretty soon, we get impaled. Something serious happens. And our loved ones are always involved. Our church is involved. We have division. 
We have families that are upset. We have friends that are upset. What we have is we have disunity in the body of Christ because something that was small at the time, when we knew it, we didn't address it. And we let it grow. And we've all seen this, right? I mean, I don't see anybody shaking their head. No, this morning. And so, as believers, we must, as we have already committed, and we've burned our ships, and we've slaughtered our oxen, part of that commitment is tough. And part of it is taking care of the things that we don't want to take care of right away. We need to surrender these things to God. So here we are today. We're, we're some, somewhere in the middle of February 2023. And some of these things are already at work in our heart because they took place a while ago. Okay, Maybe we took offense a while ago. We got upset a while ago. We acted poorly a while ago. And maybe that has slowly manifested itself in different ways to different extremes. And so uh, what do we do? <clears throat> Here's what I've learned is you cannot fix flesh by using the flesh. We prayed last night um, to the Lord to break down some real barriers and some bondage, right? You are not capable of fixing you. Okay. I think that's an important realization that we must have because if we think we can fix us, we're only going to get frustrated and uh, we're going to get tired to the point that we give up on it because you can't do it. If you could do it, Jesus wouldn't have died on a cross for us. He wouldn't have had to have. But you can't. Mm-hmm. And so recognize we can't fix flesh by using flesh. Your willpower cannot fix everything. My willpower on that skidster was absolutely supreme. I had it under control until I didn't. And that's the truth in our life. And so what we have to do is we have to surrender these things to God. Now, what does God do to get our attention sometimes? We get some pain. Pain is a good thing. Now, you need to respond to pain properly. If you put your hand on a stove today, it's going to hurt. Praise God for pain, because that tells your brain to get your hand off the stove so you don't burn your hand up. So this morning, if you feel some pain for a situation, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's good. If you feel guilty this morning, it's because you are. <laughs> and that's okay, because these are not bad things. God doesn't call us to a walk of pain and guilt, but if you feel pain or you have some guilt, that means that you've allowed some things in your life to become things they should not be, and they are now hindering your walk, and God wants you to surrender them, and so he allows you to feel some pain because he does not want your hand to burn up on the eye of the stove. And so when you feel the pain, that tells us, Lord, I was wrong. And I want to get it right with you. Whatever thought, whatever event was not of you. And I allowed it to be used by the enemy to cause division or hurt with my friends, my church, my family, with whatever situation that you've called me to be a light into. 
God does not want us to carry this pain and this guilt around them. He'll use it, but he doesn't want us to live a life where we're burdened with guilt and pain. And I think as we look around in a hurting world, we see a lot of people who can't let go of this pain, who refuse to let go of this pain. And quite frankly, they're trying to use the flesh to get over this pain, and that will never work. And so as we feel pain or guilt, it is an opportunity for us to surrender it to God. Our God is a awesome God. There is nothing that our God cannot do. So if you have some pain or some guilt in your life, and a lot of times we just may have the guilt on ourselves and we just feel like, for what I have done, I am not worthy any longer to serve God and I can't do what he wants me to do. I'm not worthy of it. And there's no bigger critic in our life than ourselves, than the voice in our head that tells you, you missed an opportunity, you made a mistake, you caused division, you caused the problem, you, you, you. And the enemy loves that. We are playing into his hand when that takes place. Because he wants us to be completely ineffective. And we're pretty ineffective when we're our biggest critics and when we're upset with ourselves and when we've come to the point, perhaps, where we say, God, I just can't be used by you because of all the pain I've caused and I'm just not worthy any longer. And God looks at that and he says, that's the biggest lie ever. I didn't call any of you to this. You felt pain because you did something you shouldn't have done. You felt guilty because you were guilty of doing something. And so God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross to bear all of our sins so that none of us would have to go on feeling that way. And as we all know, I assure you, if we were the only person ever in creation, we would do something stupid where we would feel pain and guilt and God still would have sent Jesus to make sure that we do not have to have a sentence where we always feel guilty. And we always feel pain. So what we need to do is we need to let go of the pain and the guilt for the mistakes that we've made. Maybe we didn't put the extra effort in and we allowed the bad behavior to manifest itself. But God is greater than any situation. We need to give it to him. We need to surrender it to him. We need to receive freedom from him in that. And then we need to go on in our walk. 100% committed and sold out to the Lord. God's grace gives us this. We receive God's grace and forgiveness through Jesus. Um, If you'll turn in uh, your Bible to the fourth chapter of James. James, Jesus' brother, here in uh, uh, the Bible, tells us what we need to do. So humble yourselves before God. It is a lot better when you humble yourself than when God humbles you. But you will be humbled eventually. Humble yourselves before God. You know, sometimes I I think, I'm in my mid-40s, and I haven't learned this lesson yet. I hope that it comes to me very soon. When we do something we shouldn't do, our first response is to double down on it. Does anybody else ever do that? I shouldn't do that. Why'd you do that? Oh, because it's the right thing. Know this is the right thing. It's not. Um, then God humbles us. And then we come to the spot where we say, it was the wrong thing and I should have never have done that. 
Um, I hope that this lesson can can take uh, a, a spot in our heart where um, we don't have to necessarily go through this as often. But humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. In the word, we can read about the fruits of the spirit and the fruits of the flesh. Resist the fruits of the flesh. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. When we have that moment of repentance, when we say, God, I don't want to have this in my life anymore. That is us coming close to God. And you go 1% of the way and God goes 99% of the way. He will bring healing to that situation in your life. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. We don't want to have our loyalty to be divided. Mm-hmm. Between wanting to sail back to Spain in a boat, we better burn our ships so that our loyalty and our commitment is 100%. If you want to fix a situation, you need God to do it. Before God can do it, though, sometimes in our lives, we have to make a change. And to make a change means action. This is the part where it gets a little uncomfortable. It does for me anyway. <clears throat> Saying I'm committed. <coughs> what Burmox? I'm going to burn my ships. I got a flag at our house. It's got a cool pirate on it. It says burn the ships. And I just love that flag. And the pirate looks ragged and tough. And we all get behind it. Yeah, burn the ships. Yes, that's us. It's a bumper sticker. God pointing some things out when you have some pain and some guilt. Every one of us in here says, I don't carry that around. It's not any fun. We all agree with this, right? But then God says, I'm an awesome God. But you got to have a little action too. I can't get smart by reading or by holding a math book, by sleeping next to it, by using it as a pillow. If I want to get smart, I have to open it up. And I have to physically do some equations. Otherwise, it doesn't do any good. In our life, when we have had some of these things take hold and they've grown and they've evolved, we have to make a change. And that change can be uncomfortable and it can be, it can be tough. First chapter of Romans, the 19th verse. In reality, the truth of God is known instinctively. When I went to that implement, I instinctively knew I better put some effort in it and to make this thing work. I knew it in my heart. I knew it at that moment. I brushed it off, but I knew it. This morning, if there are things that don't belong and maybe it feels a little uncomfortable, it's not because I pointed anything out. Uh, The last thing I want to do is point out any fault in anybody because I have a plank in my own eye. But we read here in Romans, the reality, the truth of God is known instinctively. You know it in your heart what doesn't belong. Uh, the prophecy we heard this morning spoke to this too. You know it instinctively. You feel uncomfortable. Maybe even right now you're feeling uncomfortable about it. For God has embedded this knowledge inside every human heart. Praise God that he gives it. Some people call it your conscience and otherwise. So you know what doesn't belong. And you know at the time that you might start a poor behavior that it's not of God and it doesn't belong. Instinctively, you know what we read about it here in Romans. God tells you, puts it in your heart right then. 
<clears throat> and so, uh, in conclusion, for me in my life, there's a lot of things that I give to God. Lord, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. But there's always a thing or two that says, God, you can have everything but this. I'll give you all this stuff, but this thing here I can't deal with. This thing here I'm not willing to give up. In my heart, hardened, callous, whatever you want to call it, I say, you get it all but this thing. And maybe that thing is hurt. Maybe we've, we've held on to the hurt for so long. It's not something we can give it up anymore because it's part of our identity. It's, it's part of our coping, whatever you want to call it. Uh, maybe it's an act of the flesh. Maybe it's offense. Maybe it's a, 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 a bad opinion we have, whatever that is. But, but believers, this morning, if we want to seriously move on with the Lord in our walk, and if we want to get behind the statement like burn the ships or burn the plow and cook the oxen, until we deal with that thing that God is instinctively putting on our heart, we're always going to be hindered. Mm-hmm. And it isn't just you. It's going to be the person sitting next to you also. And it's going to expand. And so I would encourage us this morning that, that, that we take accountability and, and we commit it to God. And this is a tremendous act of faith and obedience and trust. We sing, Christ has set me free this morning. And those, in, in the lyric it says, sin and sickness and death and hell has no power over me. Right? Because Christ has set me free. This morning I would say, Take accountability. That thing that the Lord may be stirring in your heart, do not brush by it. Do not brush it off and keep moving forward because it's no big deal. It is. If you're feeling some pain or guilt from it, it is a big deal. We have an opportunity to deal with it. And I would encourage us all to deal with it. And again, this is a me too message. I'm not speaking to anybody but myself. Completely burn the ship this morning. 100% in our hearts commit to God. It may be uncomfortable, but I promise you this. The God that we have. We had tremendous prayer last night. We prayed for breakthroughs. We prayed for supernatural breakthroughs. Because sometimes... Like the, the man we read about, uh, I think it was a Mark who was demon possessed and Jesus, ca- it's beyond us sometimes. It just is. <clears throat> but when you give that to God and you deal with it and you take an action, everybody is blessed by it. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage us all to seek the mind of the Lord, mm-hmm. to pray earnestly. Um, you know, if you've got business you need to deal with God, and you need to give up that thing that your heart is pounding about, um, give it up for my sake, for the body of Christ's sake, for your sake, for your family, for your friends. Give it to the Lord this morning. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you know us, that you love us, that you have called us, Lord. We thank you that you have given us ministries that would strengthen and edify the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you that in a dark world, you have given us light and that you have called us to bring your good news out into the world. And Lord, this morning, as we have given our lives to you and we have received salvation, 
Lord, we know that we're not perfect. And Father, those things that don't belong, that we've not been able to completely surrender to you, Lord, we all trust you. And we pray this morning, Lord, that you would give us the strength to give them over to you, to cease those things that don't belong. And Father, we don't know all the details, but Lord, we know the end result is your church will get stronger. You become a greater influence in our life. And as we completely sail out and there is no turning back, Lord, we know that we become the believers in the body of Christ that you have called us to be. Father, I pray for the strength for all of us here this morning and listening to deal with those things. And Father, we know that we can't defeat them ourselves, but all we have to do is surrender them to you. And Father, so this morning we just surrender those things that don't belong. And we pray, Father God, that you would just make a way and that you would have your will in our lives. Yes. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.